How are you? And welcome to Paddy Irishman, Paddy Englishman. A podcast where we pick a topic, research it, discuss it and have a laugh along the way. So sit your arse down, have a Guinness ready and join in on the crack with us too. Enjoy. Yeah, right, Jerry, how are you? Well, mate, what's up? Any crack? Not much, man. Just had breakfast at Weatherspoons at nine o'clock in the morning. And I was tempted to get a pint as well. I didn't mention that. You have to get a pint, get a though, pint. don't you? You have to get a pint. I couldn't. I, yeah, I was saying it to my mother-in-law and I was like, you know, I, I was I was gonna get I was gonna get a pint, but I'm not on holiday. I'm in the middle of the West Midlands in England at nine o'clock <laughs> in the morning and it's overcast. Fair enough, it was like a beautiful summer's morning. I would yeah. have maybe have like sipped an outsider or something. I'm terrible at that. I'm I'm really, really bad at that. Um like I, I don't know why. I think I've like too many internal rules in myself that if it's like I, I won't get a pint, even if like I'll get might get a pint for lunch, but if I went out for Atom before that, I won't get a pint. Yeah, I don't I just don't drink in the morning. I can't physically drink in the morning. Yeah, maybe that's it, yeah. Like I don't understand people who can like wake up even like after a wedding and then just go down and drink all day again. Yeah. Especially when you see it the next morning, there's there's scaldy after it. But there's only there's only ever like one situation I've been in where I'm like, right, pints in the morning, I don't care, cracking bottles open. Well, there's two. First flight, uh, you know, the, the airport pints. <laughs> the airport so pints. That's because time, time doesn't exist in the airport. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's always, it's literally, Joe you know the saying, five o'clock somewhere. It's five o'clock somewhere. So let's yeah, have a drink, yeah, it's yeah. five o'clock somewhere. Yeah. It's one of them things in an airport. It's always five o'clock. Always it's always five, five o'clock. <laughs> and the other situation is rag week. You could get up at like half eight in the morning, even earlier. Fuck it. Wake up at seven in the morning. That's if you, that's even if, you, if even if you slept. Do you know what I mean? And you just crack up a few bottles. You're missing, a, you're missing a big one. And that would be festivals. Yes. So, so three. They, do you know what? We'll three. have to do a podcast on drinking in the habit. <laughs> Acceptable places to drink for Ex- 24 hours straight. Yeah, <laughs> acceptable situations to wake up and start drinking. But anyway, that's another that's another one. Um, that's another topic for another time that we will talk. A lot <laughs> we will on. get to. So this week's podcast, we've got music stories. So just to start off with, I'm, I'm going to kind of make it a little bit weird straight away. Okay, you've heard of the band Kiss, right? They, they have songs such as "Love Gun," which is their penis. And there's a there's a line that's like, you set off my love gun. And that's him basically saying that he's ejaculating. Oh, so, lovely. Yeah, and they have songs like, I want to rock and roll all night. I party every day. So yeah. like they're, they're like a, a band from the 70s who kind of kick-started glam rock. So they, they'd always wear like makeup and they'd always be jewels everywhere they always wore like leather stuff as well and yeah they yeah, had... yeah they always had like their face paint as well didn't they they're all yeah, wore, so like, face paint and shit yeah there was like star lord or star boy and there was the cat one and the, the, there was like two others but the star boy i think he was the one who had that real long gene simmons that's his name yeah he had, like yeah, a yeah. really long like, tongue massive tongue that's so strange yeah it was could you imagine being his wife imagine <laughs> being his well wives and <laughs> you know, I'm sure he had more than one. But imagine sure. that she, you know, he'd be he'd be you know chowing down, and next minute his tongue comes up your nose. Bloody hell! <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's a nasty <laughs> image. So in 1977, 
the band members released a comic book. Pretty, um, pretty tame, right? It's pretty tame. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. It's not tame. So Stanley in, um, worked with them on this project and they wanted basically anybody who bought the comic book to have a little piece of the band. Okay. Okay. Right. Tell me, Jerry, what was that little piece? It's got to be hair. It can't be something like rank like blood or sperm, surely. (laughs) That's where you're wrong, Jerry, because it was blood. (laughs) So Stanley turned around and said, every single child who bought the magazine or the comic book in the ink, they they went to like where where the... um where they illustrated it and they printed it. And they just drew blood and put it into the ink, mixed it up, put it onto the comic book. So if you get one of them comic books, literally it has the band's blood. It literally has a part of the band on the book. And this is also confirmed by the fellow who had the real long tongue, Gene Simmons, in like a later interview. And in another interview after that, the lead singer turned around and he said, so next time we're going to put blood in it for um, for the ink, but we're all going to put something else in for the yellow ink. <laughs> oh, <for> <laughs> uh, good old magazine made out of blood and cum. Can you believe it? Hang on now. How much blood did they have to donate for it to be able to be used in every single comic book? That well, can't you see, be. That's, that, that's what I was thinking, right? Because... You, how much how much blood do you donate? Like you donate like a pint of your blood and there's like yeah. seven or eight pints of blood in your system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. But and if they're selling it like they they all must have at least donated a pint of their blood. They had to have. Had to. Well, I mean, it's not like they could be donating their blood to fucking, you know, hospitals and shit because it's so toxic. <laughs> the amount of drugs and alcohol in it. So they have to donate it <laughs> Could you imagine just sitting there, you know? You need a blood transplant badly, and then you get, you know, a lead, a band member of Kiss's blood, and then all of a sudden your pupil, you don't have any more eyes. Your eyes just turns into pure pupils. <laughs> oh, <laughs> your bloody, what's his name? Ozzy Osbourne was snorting ants. Yeah, he, he was snorting ants. He and he licked wild. his own piss in the same day. Yeah, yeah, he he seemed crazy, man. He seemed severely mentally ill, and everyone was just like, "Ah, yeah, rock on." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's so hardcore. No, it's not. He's screaming for help. He needs so much help, lads. Please. Yeah. Did you ever see? Um, remember that show, the uh, meeting the Osbournes or something like that? Yeah, it was basically like been keeping up with the Kardashians of like the original. But good, like, but, but funny. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. The 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 neighbors next to them put in a a, a noise complaint, right? Okay, and. So th- this this was like when this was only like in two thousand and five. So Ozzy is like well past it. He's proper yeah. shaking all the time, you know, from yeah. all the drugs and stuff he's taken. Yeah. And so this is when he's still, you know, he's pretty worn down, like. And then anyway, the neighbors called them, called the police on them for a uh, for a noise complaint. And when the police leave the house, what do they do? Him, Sharon, the kids. What do they do? They go and pick up. All the shopping out of the fridge and just fuck it over over the over the hedge over the 
the fence into the neighbor's garden and just because they could that's yeah. so, that's so that, excessive there's no need for that at all I know, yeah but hey look sure they can't fucking police should they <laughs> that's, that's your petty way of getting back at them over a night Sharon get to move <laughs> So the next one I've got is Van Halen and Brown M&M's. Do you know what a tour writer is, basically? A what? A tour writer. Okay, a no. A tour writer. No. So a tour writer is basically a list of instructions that are read by the venue. So it's like in a contract that is sent by the band. Okay. And in their, like, it's like 56 pages long for Van Halen. And just in the middle of this 56-page manifesto, more or less, is just the band exclusively saying, we do not want brown M&Ms backstage. We can have any other M&Ms, but not fucking brown M&Ms. Do you know, like, when you kind of say it like that, it sounds a bit dodgy, doesn't it? It sounds a bit M&Mist. Yeah. <laughs> Something like a bit chocolateist. But the, the reason... And, like, when they find brown M&Ms, what happens is the venue gives up the show for full pay. So what? if they find like brown M&Ms backstage, okay. they would turn around and say, we're not playing the show and you have to pay us full. That that was that was the situation. And there's actually a good reason for this. Okay. Um, they, because they proper kick off when they, they find brown M&Ms. And you think that's so petty. Yeah. Like... You know, it's it's only a chocolate lad. Calm down, do you know? <laughs> Unless if you're allergic to chocolate, it's not going to fucking kill you. But because it's like right in the middle of like this contract, if they find brown M&Ms backstage, what else haven't they not read in the contract? So it isn't about having brown M&Ms backstage. It's about the venues actually not reading the contract and the lead singer in an interview, turned around and said, the reason why we done that was so we knew that the venues have our safety. Oh, all, right. It's, it's, it's all safe because they, they were, like, flying in from here, there, and everywhere. They had a lot of fireworks. Yeah. Um, and this is all inside, so it's all, like, um, health and safety and stuff. Yeah. So if they if they find a brown M&M backstage, they haven't read the contract, and that means their safety is at risk. And not only their safety... The people who've come to the show. Okay. So when you think of it like that, yeah, it's one of them things. It's just like it's really, really smart. Yeah. Yeah, So I wonder if I wonder if any of them just kind of brought in a pack of brown M and M's. You know, like just in case if they didn't want to play, I just plant them in the bowl of M and M's. Go, what the fuck is this? What is this? Brown M and M's. (laughs) Oh, it's how specific it is as well because. It's as if it's the most common thing for every act or every venue to put backstage. So it's as if, regardless of if they read it or not, there's just always going to be M and M's there. Like, what if there's Skittles there instead? Like, like have they any, have they anything like about that? As if, like, oh no, there has to be M and M's, but there has to be no brown ones. Yeah, no, that's it. That, that that's it. It's like it's just the no brown just, ones. Just no brown M and M's. No brown M and M's. Interesting. Like you can have. You can have other like M and M's and stuff like that, but just no brown ones. Yeah, that's strange. Yeah, but that's like brilliant. you said, it, it has a it has a a strong reason. Yeah, it definitely it. has. Yeah, it has definite strong reason behind it. But like, I wouldn't be surprised for sure if they were fucking not playing this show tonight, dropping M M&M and M around. And just, <laughs> uh, look, 
give us our fucking money, we're walking out of here. <laughs> I would, buddy hell, I would. Well, I mean, I feel yeah. so bad, man. Imagine having all these people come to watch you, and then you're just like, nah, fuck them. Brown M&M's. Where's the M&M, man? Smiley, will you, mate? Steve, do you have that packet of M&M's for you? No, that's, uh, that's my first two. That's um, Kiss's Dirty Owl comic book, Filled with Blood and Cum. Oh and then we've got um, Van Halen's hatred for brown M&Ms. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Two, uh, two nice quick, uh, quick fire facts to get us started. Bang, bang. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slow us up a bit, and I'm going to go uh, slightly ranty now for, uh, for my first Ooh, I'm looking forward for my to first it. story. Okay, I don't know how to start this because it's gonna it's gonna kind of cut. But basically, myself and my girlfriend are strong believers that Drake is a pedophile and a predator. Okay, wait, what? <laughs> we are Drake. Drake. Is this one of them blood sucking predator things? No, 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 no. Like a sexual predator. No, not 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 a mystical being or anything like that. No, okay, right. Let me hear it. Give it to me. Jesus, man. Give me me the Nancy facts right now. Okay, yes. Basically, we believe Drake is a nonce. We uh, we also think (laughs) it's not going to come out until after he's after he's dead because he's just he has far too much power currently and far too much influence. It's going to be the same as um as Michael Jackson. And uh, well, actually, it came out about R. Kelly recently, which was lovely to hear. Fucking prick. Well, he didn't bloody hide it, though, did he? He literally oh, had a sex cult. Well, li- listen, a lot, well, yeah, Drake isn't that obvious, but he's pretty obvious. Let me <laughs> let me, let me hit some facts, right? So, okay. Drake plays as smart. He has never got... <laughs> he nuts is smart. Okay, he nuts is smart. He knows what he's at, right? He has never <laughs> actually got with a girl under 18. Or he has never, it it hasn't been found anyway, that he has publicly dated a girl who was under 18. Everyone he has dated has been over 18. Right. Jerry, do you know how nonces work? Nah, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. So, there are so many stories of young women who are 18, who are dating Drake, or who have had a period of dating Drake, and it has then come out later that Drake knew them from 15, 16, oh, even younger. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, Okay. Yes. And this hasn't happened once or twice. They're, like, I think I have five, if not six, different yeah. women. And that's just from like a, a bit of research I did in the hour before coming on here. Yeah. So um, the first thing that kind of tipped me off to this, right, there's a video and I can send it to you. It's a video from kind of earlier in Drake. Well, not too early. I'd say it would have been maybe 2011, 2010, 11, 12, in around that area. And uh, he's at a show and he brings, remember, like, I don't know if you remember this, but he used to have kind of like a segment where he'd like bring like women up on stage and kind of dance and sing to them, like trying to be all fucking sexy and shit. Yeah. So he brought this this girl up on, yeah, pure out. And he brought this young girl up. Well, he brought this girl up. He didn't know. And um, he kind of, he's doing that. He's kind of dancing with her, hugging her. And he kind of like starts kissing on her neck. And then he kind of steps away. He's like, oh, wait, hold up. What age are you? And she's like, oh, I'm 17. And he's like. (laughs) Get the fuck. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, this is after he's after doing this. So you're like, right, okay. He could have just made a mistake. That's that's weird. He should have asked beforehand. But okay, he made a mistake. 
he should have left it there and got her off the stage immediately. But instead, he he did the most kind of like, oh, I want to fuck you so bad, but oh no, I'm trying to be, I, I can't be getting with someone under 18. Like it was proper like, oh no, why are you doing this to me? You can, oh no, I can't go to jail. Oh, but you're so thick. Oh, why does your body look like that? Oh, girl, you're so fine. He was saying this to the, said, to the girl. He said, this, he said this into the mic on stage to a packed crowd about uh... a certain... I, I'll send you the video. So that is yeah. so, so sus. Straight off the bat. Yeah. And you can't be saying that about a 17-year-old girl. Yeah. So... That's pretty... That, that's that's pretty dodgy. But how old? Drake is in like his 30s, right? Drake is now 34. So, I mean, when 34. that happened, I'd say it would have been about he would have 10 been about... years ago. He would have been still so, mid. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? No one should be getting with like, a 17-year-old. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah. I, like, this fucking crack of like lads who are 21, 22 mm. getting with like girls who are 17. That's, that's, yeah. that's wrong. That's wrong. Yeah. That can't be happening. And so many lads do it. They're like, no, it's grand. Look, right. like, like a three or four year gap nah i'm not defending it at all uh but the age of consent is what in america um it's 18 it's 18 in america so he's nonsense in america yeah right but if it was 17 in ireland i think it's 16 in the uk is it i don't don't quote me on that um i don't know but as, as far as i'm concerned Mr. Doe's girlfriend is 16 years old, everybody. <laughs> She's 26 next month. So <laughs> that's how old. She's 26 in two weeks. So 10 years after. Don't make me sound like one of them. Don't make me sound like Drake. <laughs> okay, so like this was kind of like that happened and it was kind of just kind of blown off as like whatever. It really came out. You probably heard about this. It really came out when it came out that he was texting Millie Bobby Brown. You know her, she's the girl from Stranger Things. Yeah. Yeah. She's like so 14, he was, right? 15? He was texting her when she was 13. And he was like giving her like advice about like boys and relationships. And then there'd be like a lot of like she came out and said, oh yeah, like we'd be texting. And then he'd be like, oh, I miss you so much. And I'd say I miss you so much. And he's just so great. Like that's dodgy. You can't be, can't be you can't be getting on to a thirteen year old trying to give her relationship advice and then telling her how much you miss her and shit. Yeah. That's that's classic nonce behaviour, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. However, he never commented on the stories and Millie Bobby Brown later came out kind of bad mouthing the press, saying that oh, like why are you trying to make a beautiful friendship into a into a headline? It's only friendship, he's my mentor, I love him, shit like this. Which is very, to me, comes across very kind of brainwashy behavior. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, she's like, oh no, he's this big star and he's taking time out to, to speak to me and look after me. Like, that's, yeah. That's, that's top tier brainwashing. It's the same with like Michael Jackson, isn't it? Like, he had yes. like so many kids over to his bedroom and yeah. like one or two kids came out saying that. Oh, he's inappropriately touched me. Oh well, there's more than one or two, isn't there? Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. He'd have like loads of kids in his house at his one at this one time. If he if he touched one, and he was like, you know, he inappropriately touched me. But the other 50, 60, 70 kids that were there were like, well, he never touched me, so you must be lying. Yes, Do you know. Yeah. So it's kind of like there. Even Macaulay Culkin came out, didn't he? And he was like. 
you know, Michael Jackson, they said that like, you know, I slept in Michael Jackson's bedroom. Yeah, but you forget that Michael Jackson's bedroom's two stories high. And I'm mm. like, yeah, fair enough. Like his bedroom's the big, the size of a house, but he still brought you into his bedroom. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, doesn't matter how big it is. But I'm getting more and more convinced that Drake is a bit of a nut. He, he actually even bought Michael Jackson's music. There's a conspiracy theory around that as well. Oh, really? I never heard that one. Well, my yeah. thing, my thing about all these kind of people is, if a story comes out saying how it happened, and then another story comes out with practically the exact same details, yeah. You can tell it, it's it's that's how I There's think patterns. that that's probably truth in it because yeah. all the like predators, pedophiles, they have their set routine that they know works and they just run it over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. all these women, all these women, they probably felt the exact same as Millie Bobby Brown when they were young. Drake was like taking an interest in them, being like, "Oh no, I'm trying to get you." You know, trying to get you further in your career, so they feel special when they're young, and then when they hit eighteen. All of a sudden, he Drake's like, "Oh yeah, look, I helped you with your career. Do you want to come over to my house now?" Just it just comes over. It's like, "Oh, it's your birthday." Just a box yeah. of Magnum condoms and and a pill. <laughs> that's, that's the present. Just wrapped yeah. neatly with a little no. bow on top. <laughs> it just it's just like open the present. It's my dick in a box. Hey, <laughs> like that's an old school reference. That is an old school reference. If you know, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh Drake has also uh he was also texting Billie Eilish when she was 17, same thing he never commented and she said it was just like he was just her mentor. Uh there was has has any um any like young mu- men like young musicians who are men come out and said that he's his mentor. No. Because not that, not that I'm aware of no. Like when it comes to Billie Eilish, I can be like, "That's his field. Like he he knows music. He knows the music industry, so he yeah. could be a mentor in that yeah. way." But if it comes out that Billie Eilish becomes pregnant with a mixed race baby, and <laughs> and there's been speculations about Drake's the father, then then it gets a bit dodgy. Then you know, it does. It does. Because, like, you could say the same for Millie Bobby Brown. Like, Drake yeah. used to act, though he could just be kind of yeah. playing off the. Oh no, I, oh, yeah. I, I used to act. I'm trying to help her. That. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Forgot so, about that. He used to act. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he done blackface me... as well. Did he? he yeah, black. he got. No, he done blackface. If you if you look up Pusha T diss track, did, did you ever hear that? No. So Pusha T, do you know like uh, Drake had a Drake had a. Um, he had a son. Yeah, I remember they. I remember they had their big scrap like. Yeah, but if you right? if if you look at that song's cover art, it's Drake with blackface. Oh, interesting. With, with the with the lips and everything, yeah. What are the rules for a black man doing blackface? I don't know. Is is it? I have no idea. We're not going to get into that because we won't. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Two fucking white boys from Ireland. <laughs> yeah, that's like us putting like, yeah, like white boys from Ireland putting on like powder on their face to make them look extra yeah. excessively pale. <laughs> Do you yeah, know what I mean? Do, yeah, doing like the stereotypical <laughs> leprechaun. Like I feel like offend Irish people, even <laughs> if it was done, even if it was done by me, I feel like Irish people would look at me like, "Come on, Jerry, get a grip." Yeah, what, what are you doing? Like, uh, paint a few freckles on you. 
Um, so apart from Billie Eilish, there was another girl. She was a, um, a hip hop producer's daughter that he started seeing when she was 18, but he met her when she was 16 and they had hung out when she was 16. He secretly dated Georgia Smith. She's another singer in 2017. Georgia Smith is, is from not too far from where I'm living at the moment. George Smith's British, oh, really? right? Yeah. yeah, I believe so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he was dating her when she was 19, but some people have speculated that his song Jaded is about her, and the lyrics go, We could have waited, I wasn't rushing, differences in ages, you're old enough, but you're still a baby. I don't like it. That's dodgy. Like That's it. dodgy. Sus. This man is uh... sus. Drake is sus. Drake is ah. sus. Yes, okay. Right, I've only I've two more examples, right? <laughs> it doesn't get better. Okay. Like, it's just it's it's all the exact <laughs> same. Like uh, Drake also apparently okay. had a thing with Kylie Jenner after her and Travis Scott had a, a little split. She was twenty one at the time, but he knew her. Like okay. he, he knew the Kardashian Jenners from when they were young, and he actually performed at Kylie's sixteenth birthday party. So he was a family friend from when she was underage again. And most recently, uh, on 21 Savage and Metro Boomin's uh, new album, there's a song called Mr. Right Now. Drake says on that that the lyric goes, I used to date SZA back in 08. And SZA is 30. 08 was 13 years ago, so she would have been 17. So he he came out and said, I, d- I dated SZA in 08. Who's- SZA, SZA? SZA is a, an American Irish. She's she's good. She's very vibey. She's really good. Um, ah, no. So so like she, she turned oh. 18 in that year. She turned 18 in November. So that's saying like he basically dated her in, the, in either like December when she was 18 or else the other 11 months when she was 17. You know, it doesn't really add up. <sighs> and um that is that's 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 my facts and my appeal to everybody to get on board that Drake is a predator, he's a nonce, and we gotta be careful of this man. Hide your kids, hide your wife if she's underage. <laughs> Drake, is, Drake is coming from Mate, if if your wife is underage, I don't think you have to worry too much about Drake being a predator. Oh, that is crazy, man! What do you think? What do that you think? Is crazy. Are you convinced? Oh, I mean, I'm not. I, I'm not a hundred percent convinced. Oh, it's it's the same thing with Michael Jackson, though, isn't it? Yeah. Because, like, me, I'm like, there's evidence to show that you know, there's a documentary basically to show that Michael Jackson is a nonce, but because he wasn't convicted before he died. Yeah. Like he obviously can't go to trial now. There's always that bit of speculation, but we all know he's a nonce. Yeah. But yeah. If if a Netflix special comes out about Drake being a nonce, then I'd be like, okay. Let me hear some like let, let me hear some like stories, interviews and stuff like that and uh I I'll be proper team nonce Drake. I'm like I'm like I'm like 60% sure that Drake is a nonce. I mean, I think it could come out sooner than we think because he's not hiding it. Like, he's not trying too hard to hide it. Like, he's, like I said, like, he's not getting anyone under 18. No. But there's, like, that's, I don't know how many, I think I named six, maybe seven examples 
It's kind of like similar to like what Tom Cruise does though as well, doesn't he? Tom Cruise like breaks up with his girlfriends when they are like three of his wives uh had a divorce when they were when they were thirty-three. And then he would always go for like a girl who's like twenty odd years old and then they'd be thirty-three and they have a divorce. It's, you know, and he'd go back to twenty year old girls. Yeah, but um they're over age. Leo is the same. Who? Leo. Leonardo uh, oh, Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah. Yeah, he's the exact yeah. same. All he does is get with like twenty year old models. Yeah. Yeah, but look, hats off to him, they're over age. Just about. Just about still dodging. Just, <laughs> Just about. Okay. Uh, yeah. Right, we're gonna yeah, no, let's, uh, let's let's take it up a bit. Let's take it up a bit. Get away from predators. Oh, oh have you got another one? No, no, no. You you go for it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, well I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it a bit um a bit light sided. So this is about how the Beatles and Bob Dylan met for the first time. Uh, two iconic symbols in in music in like the sixties and early seventies. You have Bob Dylan, who is like basically a poet, and he's still very influential to musicians even today. And then you have the Beatles, who have been like compared to Mozart and Bach because their music. If you listen to like every single song, the Beatles have. Each sound is different in one way or another. So, like, you have certain bands that you're like, it could be any album. You'd be like, oh, that's um, you know, that that that's them. That that's whoever whoever that is. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. For example, Catfish in the Bottom End, one of my favorite bands ever. Yeah, great band. Yeah, you'd know that every single album is Catfish in the Bottom End. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, their sound. Their sound is their sound. Yeah, but with the Beatles, if you listen to songs from Rubber Soul to Sgt. Pepper, completely different sounds. And then when you go into them albums, each song is slightly different. Yeah, that's okay. what I was about to say. Not even on albums, even song to song sometimes on the exact same album, like track yeah. three to track four could be a complete different shift. Like, Yeah, 100%. 100%. And it, to the people who haven't listened to the Beatles, go check them out. Just sit down and listen my recommendation is Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. When mm. They wrote it when they were tripping on LSD. Lucy song. in the Sky with Diamonds, LSD. Great, great oh, tune. Great metaphor. Nice. Yeah, nice. LSD. Never, never, never realized Did, that Never heard that before. No, I never realized that, no. Yeah. Just, just, go on to, yeah. just go on to Spotify and listen to This Is Beatles. It's just their like, main songs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're class. They're class. Yeah, they're good. So on the Beatles' first um, tour of the U.S., and they met Bob Dylan in Forest Hill Stadium in New York. So they got chatting anyway, and Bob Dylan just went, all right, boys, do you, uh, do you fancy smoking a joint? Yeah. And the manager, Epstein, not a Nancy Epstein, just <laughs> a cool, chill-out Epstein. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, is this, is this that guy? We're back on nonsense, are we? <laughs> no. no this, guy, this guy's a cool Epstein. This guy's a chill-out Epstein. Oh, okay, right. Epstein. Cool, cool, cool. So he was really apprehensive because the band didn't smoke, hasn't smoked cannabis for a long time at this point. Okay. And Bob Dylan was kind of taken a little bit back with it because in the song, I want to hold your hand, you're, I want to hold yeah. your hand, that song. There's a lyric that says, I can't hide, I can't hide. So just for any clarification there, it's I can't hide. But Bob Dylan thought it was, I get high. So if you listen to it, 
you know, you, you kind of. Yeah, have I to could say, hear that. Yeah, I could hear that. Yeah. yeah, you could. You could hear that. Yeah, for so, sure. Anyway, they they were like, "Look, come on, it'd be fine. It's just gonna be this. I'll roll up one, and we'll all pass it around. Blah blah blah, and we'll see how we get on." Okay. So Bob Dylan rolls it up, sparks it up, passes it to John Lennon. John Lennon takes a few puffs and hands it over to Ringo, who they called the Master Taster. Okay. Right. And Ringo didn't realize the tradition of passing the joint around, pass, passing the spliff, and he smoked it all. <laughs> he smoked the whole thing. He smoked the whole entire thing. And everyone was just kind of looking at him, just like, did you, did you just finish that off? Like, Paul McCartney didn't even bloody get any. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And so Bob was like, look, hold on a second. We'll all roll one and we'll all smoke it ourselves. We'll all smoke our own one. So every one of them got their own joint and they were just puffing away, puffing away. To the point where Epstein, the manager, was like, I'm so high, I can touch the ceiling. I'm so high, I'm on the ceiling. <laughs> he was like, he stopped midway through and he was like, I'm on the ceiling. That's how high I am. So they all started laughing. And then Paul McCartney, being Paul McCartney, I mean, to me, out of the Beatles, Paul McCartney is probably my less favourite one. I know it's a bit controversial. He wrote a lot of great tunes. Yeah. But this just explains Paul McCartney to me. Could you imagine, right? Just let me put this in perspective to you. Could you imagine sitting around with me, a few of our friends back home, and one of them turns around and says, write down everything I say to another one. That's exactly what Paul McCartney done when he was high. <laughs> he got really philosophical and he turned around to, it could be what, I don't think it was one of the band members. He did yeah, specify who it was. Some, some extra of some sort, yeah. Yes, yeah, some extra. Some he, extra. He, he was the main character and he was, <laughs> yeah. oh, he was just an extra. <laughs> And um, he was just like, write down everything I say. And she just went, yeah, yeah, okay, of course, of course. Or he went, okay, yeah, of course. I just literally paragraph after paragraph of just like random shit Paul McCartney said. And they were they, like, afterwards, they looked back on it and they're like, none of it made any sense. Of course it did. Of <laughs> course it did. Literally, not, none of it made any sense at all. But just could you imagine that? I'd be like, bloody hell. Fuck off, Paul. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, that is such right a you, that's such a such a god dick. such a god complex, isn't it? It's like yeah, every, yeah, everything yeah. I say has meaning right now. Write it down. Yeah, literally. Like I, I understand if you, I, I do understand if you're like, I want to see my thoughts. Yeah, you know, after this, hmm. but do it yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you have the idea to write it down. Put the idea out yourself, Paul, you knobhead. Well, I mean, ev- everyone has the idea after a giant once, and then they're like, especially nowadays, like we pull out our phones and record ourselves. And then you're like, yeah, Jesus Christ. Yes, well, that was a waste of time. I'm never doing that ever again. Because y- y- yeah. you don't say that and like. Yeah, me and my friends, actually, like our friends, um, we were up in Athlone and it was rag week and we'd done that, but we were drunk instead of high mm. and straight away, literally straight away. Who's your favorite porn star? <laughs> Literally, that that's where it led to like a yeah. bunch of like 19, 20 year old lads sitting in a room pissed. Yeah. Who's your favorite porn star? Yeah. I don't know. I, there's there's August Ames and then you got Lisa Ann and you have you know Lana Rhodes. So it's just so hard to choose. Yeah. It's like yeah, do you yeah. like do you like when Rio Ferdinand turns around and he goes, um, you know, just enjoy them. 
They're here for, you know, just enjoy them. Just stop comparing them. Enjoy them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess, it, yeah. It felt like one of them. But um, I just got another quick one as well about um, Freddie Mercury versus Sid Vicious. Okay. Um, do you know who Sid Vicious is? I've heard the name, but I can't quite remember who he is. He was the he was he was nuts. He lived up to his name. He died of a. I think he was in. Oh no, I, we'll we'll come back to that thought I've just had. Okay. Um, in your in your next story. Okay. But he, he died. He died of an overdose anyway. But he was the basis for the Sex Pistols. He he um he was so mental, right? Not even at his own gig. He walked into the crowd, got a bottle, and just fucked it across the state, like across the crowd, just a metal a, pla- a metal bottle, a glass bottle. And just fucked it across the stage, just cracked it off someone's head, just because he could. Oh so he's God. a bit of a nutcase. But at the time, in 1977, the same year that the bloody kiss put blood and cum on a, on a piece of paper and sold it. Of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's yeah. our next venture once we get a few more followers going. Yeah, Paddy Irishman, Paddy Englishman, blood and cum comic coming your way. Get onto the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get onto the Patreon. Give some money. <laughs> But yeah, no, it was 1977. Queen and the Sex Pistols were on the same label, EMI, and they were working in the same, recording the same studio in London. Okay. And Sid Vicious just didn't like Queen. He didn't like their music or anything like that. And Freddie Mercury could never get his head around punk, That like the whole punk scene to him. That wasn't music. Like, he just, he, he never got it. And one day, Queen were recording um, the album of um, News of the World, and the Sex Pistols were recording their really influential album, Nevermind the Bollocks. I think that's what it's called, Nevermind the Bollocks, I think. Great album, should listen to it if you haven't. And Sid Vicious, just like, so you know his character, he doesn't really give a fuck. He kicked down the door to the dressing room and said... You're Queen, aren't you? And you're Freddie Mercury. And he went, yeah. And he went, aren't you the one who's bringing ballet to the masses? <laughs> and that was like a reference to one of their songs, but it's also a bit of a dig at you know the fact. I'm not sure if they knew he was gay at that time. Yeah, but it was a bit of a bit of a dig at that. Okay, I'm sure. Yeah. And as a comeback, Freddie Mercury just goes, "Aren't you a?" Uh, Simon the Ferocious. And like, Sid hated that. I went fucking mental and stormed out of the room and just started punching holes in the <laughs> walls going down. Yeah, he was just fucking kicking off because he was called Simon the Ferocious. What, what what was that in reference to? Simon the Ferocious. Yeah. Because his name is, he's known as Sid Vicious. Oh, right. So he's just taking the piss out of his name like... Yeah, just like, aren't you uh, Simon nah, the Ferocious? Okay. <laughs> and then, yeah, actually, actually, what what it came out in an interview, this is kind of what happened. He went, aren't you Freddie Mercury who's bringing ballet to the masses? And then Freddie Mercury would go, aren't you uh, Simon the Vicious? Uh, Simon the Ferocious? And, you know, he, he kicked off then. And then Freddie Mercury just goes, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> 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 you know, just proper. That's like, I think that's rock and roll to me. It's like, ooh. All right, calm down, Sid. <laughs> That's also such a top tier ender of an argument. Yeah, because, what are you do about it? <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do about it? 
Because, like, what are they going to yeah. do? They're either going to, like, have to literally beat the fuck out of you physically or else just walk away. And a lot of times yeah, yeah, they're yeah. not they're not going to get done for us all. So they're just going to walk. And it's just so funny to me. Yeah, well, I'm sure Sid Vicious couldn't give a fuck about you well, know, yeah, that's getting a good done point. for us all. So I think it was just sheer humiliation that, that <laughs> forced him to walk away. Do you know? But in, the reason why the Sex Pistols got so famous was kind of because of Queen. Because in like a 1976 um, interview, like a TV interview that Queen couldn't make it to because kind of hilariously so that Freddie Mercury needed to go to the dentist because, <laughs> you know, his massive, massive yeah, teeth. Yeah, he, he had like four, four extra teeth in his head. Yeah, they, they, they were trying to get him to straighten his teeth, you know, to be more mm. of a looker. But he was like, no, these teeth are the reason why I can hit such high octaves and like it's, they, they help yeah. with the way I sing. I'm not sure if yeah. that's the case. Yeah, that, that's that's apparently true, yeah. Because he had like extra yeah. space in his mouth, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then the record label turned around and said, right, Queen can't come on, but we'll send you our next biggest act at the time, which was the Sex Pistols. Oh, and okay. this I'm sh- like the Sex Pistols. Also, they just this just gives you them as a collective. They um, sang. Have you ever heard of "God Save the Queen"? No, I don't think so. By the Sex Pistols. So the opening line is "God Save the Queen." The fascist regime. Okay, so they hate the Queen, right? Nice. They yeah. sang that song on a boat sailing up the River Thames outside Buckingham Palace or outside the House of Commons, wherever it is. That's baller. Yeah, could you imagine just like someone knocking on your door or like in your back garden, just sing the song about how much they hate you? <laughs> so like they're proper, they're they're up there with like the fucking most mental band you'll ever hear of. But yeah. they were they were in um uh, an interview because Queen couldn't make it, but they got so fucking pissed before the before they went on stage. And um, Johnny Rotten, who's the lead singer of the band, turned around and said, like in an interview, like 2008 or something, and turned around and said, I was speeding for three days straight. So that interview was the last thing I wanted to do. So he was just on speed for like three days. And then he was thrown into this interview, pissed drunk. And he was like, this is not where I want to be. But the band got drunk. But so did the fucking host. The horse got absolutely smashed. And on the telly, he turned around and said, Wait, I am so drunk. I have never been this drunk before. <laughs> but compared to them, I am stone cold sober. He said that on telly, right? So the band got really drunk. The horse got really drunk. And they started swearing on telly, like the band. So like one of the questions was, so you've just signed a new record label. What are you gonna do with all the money? And one of them just went, "Well, we fucking spent it, ain't we?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but and then as the show got further and further on, the attitude from the Sex Pistols just got worse, 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 which made it more and more funny. <laughs> and the host thought he was a bit of a big man, and he turned around and started egging him on. So. <laughs> You just see one one of the bandmates just sitting right, like lying back on his chair, smoking a fag. And the horse turns around and says, go on then, say something else rude, say something else, you know, horrible. And he went, okay, you're such a dirty bastard. Ah, oh, you're a filthy 
fuck, I hate you. Do you know, like proper doing it all that, you know. And yeah, you proper giving it to him socks. But Sean, <laughs> yeah, you dirty fucker, you filthy fucking bastard. And then like you just see the horse going, oh, that's horrible. Oh, that's that's not nice at all. It's only five more minutes left in the show. You have to end it like that. But you're egging them on, mate. You know, you're egging the, the drunk sex pistols on. And that sounds like a fucking great interview, though. Yeah, you could, I think you could get it on YouTube. Oh, yeah. I might, um, look, I might, I might look that up once we're done here. That's yeah, dude, I'll, I'll, try, I'll try and send you the link that I found it on. But it was only shown that the, the interview was only released to um, the London, like to, to the London area. It never went up north, but it still made headline news. You know, it's it still went all over the country, like how scandalous it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it got to the point, like when people were writing in saying how angry they were, and a truck driver got so angry at the interview that he picked up his his uh, TV set and smashed it on the floor of his house. So he just got so pissed off. What? He was like, "No, fuck this!" And he got the telly and just slammed it on the on the on the floor. And whenever the Sex Pistols went to play a gig, they would be met by protests or they'd show up to the venue and be like, look, you're not playing tonight. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You saw that bloody into There's no way you're coming into my venue tonight. Do you know? So... Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. So that like, had a big impact on their careers a bit. Ah, no, did, did it fuck? No, like they, like they probably got more notoriety from it, but it kind of messed up their gig. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing. They just got more popular from it. Yeah, yeah. That's always the way, though, isn't it? When a fucking, like, back in the day when a rock band acted like a rock band and then they just blew up. Yeah. Like, I mean, Oasis. There's, like, stories of them. Have you ever <laughs> yeah. watched the documentary Supersonic? I have, yeah, yeah. Like, the story of them going on a ferry for their first tour. I think they were going to Holland or something like that. Yeah. And then... Um, there was like a lot of West Ham fans on the boat that they were on the ferry that they were sailing on. And Liam Gallagher, being a Man City fan, just went over, started winding them up and yeah. just running around the boat, smashing things up. And when they got yeah. to to Holland, they were arrested, put under the bottom of the boat, like put like Yeah, they were put into boat jail. They were put into boat jail. They were put into boat jail. And then they were uh, they were sent back. And you know he he rang up the the um the manager or, or no the record company the manager was going mad but the record company turned around and went that's bloody brilliant yeah. <laughs> that's so rock and roll yeah well sure remember they fucking showed up to accept an award like off their face on ecstasy and everything and then they got up on stage and did, was I think it was on stage or else it was in an interview after they said oh yeah should we take drugs for breakfast and all of England went mad yeah yeah yeah. yeah. But they went to they done, they done a show in um, in Hollywood in like some famous club, and they they somebody wrote down different sets so diff- so like each song was different from like yeah. from like Noel Gallagher's guitar to like Bonehead's set list. They were they were all different, so they were all playing different songs. So yeah. it was a, that that was a shit show enough, but they were all on crystal meth. It'll yeah. show you like Liam Gallagher going around the back of the stage and just snorting meth. Yeah, man, I remember that. That's that's a wild documentary. Uh, get yeah, on that. yeah, it's on get Netflix on as well. It is, yeah, yeah. That's a good watch. To be fair, 
Thanks. Go on, tell us your next one then, mate. Yeah, we're gonna move on. I think this this is my last one. Um, it's on the Twenty Seven Club. It's on. I'm not sure. I I never knew this, but it's on the legend and how the Twenty Seven Club came to be. Okay. the The original member of the Twenty Seven Club was a guitarist called Robert Johnson. He lived from 1911 to 1938. So this was uh, this was early early in the 19th 20, no, 20th century. He was a uh, he was a blues mu- musician, and he is considered one of the best to ever pick up a guitar. Yeah, he, uh, he's you'll hear it even with acts nowadays. People or guitarists in bands nowadays will still reference him as a um, as Keith inspiration Richards. for them. Keith, Keith Richards, Richards yeah, from he's, the, yeah, he's a, he's a mad inspiration for him. Yeah, he's a massive uh, massive inspiration on him. Yeah, uh, but the funny thing was that. When Robert Johnson started playing guitar, he was considered extremely average. He was considered, you know, not special. So he'd go to any clubs around where the blues were being played and he'd be asking the musicians, he'd be like, oh, hey guys, let me up on stage. Let me, let me jam with you. They'd be like, all right, yeah, show us what you got. And he'd do a bit and they'd be like, oh no, what? You're not getting up on stage with us. That's not good. And um, this, this got him really down. It got him really disappointed because all he wanted to do was play guitar. So he uh, he just kind of disappeared for a year, and he came back as the best musician to ever pick up a guitar ever, and yeah. everyone was blown away. They couldn't believe it. They couldn't get their head around how his progression had grown so fast in just a year. Yeah. So the legend came that he made a deal with the devil to become musically talented and famous. So that yeah, was where yeah. that was where the original deal with the devil to become a, a famous musician came from. Yeah, this was then kind of expounded upon because the blues was considered the devil's music. This this got the title from pastors who were losing people coming to their church because. The men, it was mostly the men. The men were out at juke joints or at, at clubs listening to blues music. So they were then losing money because they weren't getting donations from the men. Yeah. So they would start spreading rumors to the women in church saying, you need to get your, your husbands, your boyfriends, your family members, whoever. You need to get them all back to church because what they're doing now is going to lead them straight to hell because the music they're listening to is the devil's music. And this then stuck. It just it simply it stuck with the women. They'd pass it on to the men, and then the blues very quickly became associated with the devil. Mm. So uh, this kind of when Johnson came back then as the best blues player ever, he was not only the best guitarist, but he was the best blues player. So he was the best at the devil's music, meaning again he made the deal with the devil to become the best at his his music to spread the devil's music. So this kind of went on for a bit, but then Johnson got a wife and his wife got pregnant and his wife asked him not to play guitar anymore. She didn't want the devil's music anywhere near her and her kid. <laughs> and uh, he agreed. He he gave up music. He stopped playing and he just, he went working. His wife then, when she got close to giving birth, she traveled to her parents' house, which was in another town, to have the baby there. And Robert Johnson was supposed to meet her there in a, a week, whatever, yeah, a few days. Yeah. While she was away, 
he picked back up the guitar again and started traveling around playing. So on his way to the town where she was, he went through a few other towns and he'd play as he go. When he got to her parents' house, her parents told him that his wife and the child had both died during childbirth. They seen him standing at the door with the guitar and they assumed, oh, it's because of you playing the devil's music. You're the reason our daughter and our grandchild have died. So that's wow. how that's how deep that. Yeah, that's how deep this this rumor, this myth of the blues is the devil music was. That people literally thought him playing it led to his his wife and child dying. So that, that shows how, how strong that that uh, that myth had had the, gone. The link was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, massively. After this he said, Right, well, fuck it, like I don't really have anything else to live for. Why not just keep playing keep playing and keep doing what I want to do. So he fully kind of jumped into this this role of him kind of performing the devil's music and being a just kind of getting the devil's the devil's wishes across. So he, so people kind of got to yeah. know him as kind of like the devil uh, just because of how well he played guitar. Some of his lyrics are really demonic as well. Yeah, that's it. So some of his lyrics are extremely like they they all like really reference what he like that persona that he had taken on. He he only had uh, two recording sessions and he only made 29 distinct mm. songs within those uh, two sessions. And there's also, oh, there's also only three pictures of him, three verified pictures of him. So between so little songs and so little pictures, so little documentation of his life, that's why the rumor and the myth continu- continues to spread and spread, and it's still it's still a thing now. Everyone like knows yeah. that Robert Johnson was the man who made a deal with the devil at the crossroads, and that's how he became such a good, such a good guitarist. Yeah. However, uh, this kind of this led to his downfall because once he had fully embraced that devil persona, he would go from town to town, playing at juke joints, playing on the streets, playing wherever he could, trying to get the music out there but he was also drinking excessively. He was fucking whoever he could. He didn't care if they had partners he, he or boyfriends, husbands. He didn't care. He was like, no, fuck it. I can do what I want. I'm the devil. This was his downfall <laughs> as, a, as um, after a show or just before the show, he had fucked a woman. He then went on and performed. And then after the show, he was sitting at the bar and he ordered a bottle of whiskey. He was handed a bottle of whiskey with the seal broken on it. He was sitting with his pal, and his pal tried to knock the, the bottle of whiskey out of his hand. He was like, Robert, what are you doing? You never drink a bottle that has a seal broken on it. Robert Johnson thinking, oh, like, I'm the man who I am. I'm the devil. Nothing can kill me. He told his friend. He got annoyed at his friend. Basically, told him to fuck off. Like, don't be, don't be trying to break my bottle of whiskey. This cost me a lot of money. Do that again. I'll kill you, basically. So he was. that's the mentality he had. He drank down the yeah. bottle of whiskey, and he died from oh, yeah. poisoning a couple of days later. Yeah. It's just weird how it all adds up, though, isn't it? I, like, I, I believe in, like, some dodgy stuff happens in, like, the music industry when it comes to, like, the devil and stuff like that. Like, some dodgy stuff does happen. Yeah. What I think is the reason why other artists died at 27, like, like, obviously, other artists died at 27 then, but then there was also the thing of, oh, like, they, like, the likes of, like, Jimi Hendrix, he made a deal with the devil as well to get his beautiful guitar skills to be such yeah. a wizard on the guitar same with Kurt Cobain Jim Morrison Janis Joplin you know all these people Amy Winehouse 
there was always like that little mention of, oh, yeah. they also made a deal with the devil to become such fantastic musicians. But then, uh, of course, the devil comes yeah. back and collects, gives them, you know, he's trying to collect. They take a serious amount of drugs to try and numb him out. And then that ends up being their downfall and they die. But that whole deal with the devil thing can be traced back to the origins of blues music being the devil's music and Robert Johnson being the link between yeah. the devil's music and then the devil coming back and taking the lives of all these people who die at 27. I just think that's so, so interesting. I think yeah. that's so interesting. Yeah. But you mentioned Kurt Cobain there as well. There's so many things. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to go into then another one, but I wasn't going. Like, I was thinking about it, but then I decided against it because uh, then we're going back into conspiracy theories. And we've already done a podcast on that. It's a, it's a good one, by the way. Go back and listen to it if you haven't already. Um, yeah, check that one out. That one's sick. Yeah. I had so much fun doing that. That was, one. That was great banter. That was great banter. But yeah, um, I decided against. I decided against going with the Kurt Cobain conspiracy theories. We should do a music conspiracy theory one. We could do. So that'd be good. Yeah, we could do. But yeah, um, that is the story of the Twenty Seven Club, its origins, its legends, and uh, the myth of it, and yeah. how all these artists who make deals with the devil die at twenty seven. There's some. There's some little information for you today. <laughs> We've given you some knowledge and blood income. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, lads, I want you to leave now and I want you to be skeptical of Drake. Okay? <laughs> he makes bangers, yeah. yeah, but lads, we don't know. We don't know. He, he's, he's a sus character. He is sus. He, he Keep is an sus. eye. He's, he's a mixed race chap who does blackface. As well, so that that's a, that's added more sus to it. <laughs> more sus. Keep an eye, keep an eye, lads. Speaking of keeping an eye, keep an eye on our Instagram, Insta Paddies on Instagram, and we've also got a Twitter page which is Paddies Tweets. We release our recordings on Wednesdays, and we've got some cool things that we've uh, that we've been planning up uh, mm-hmm. in the pipeline. We're coming to the end of series one, which has been so good. Yeah, it has, yeah. Yeah. So okay. there you go. Drake's and nuts. And don't buy a kiss magazine. There you are. There you are. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Yeah, thank you very much. We'll talk to you again. <laughs> bye bye. Peace. Thanks for listening, lads. We really appreciate it. If you have any questions, comments, or want to add about today's podcast, get on to us on our socials. We'd absolutely love to hear from you guys. We're InstaPaddies on Instagram and Paddy's Tweet on Twitter. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Take care, lads. Bye-bye.